Welcome to Unleashed at Work and Home, the show dedicated to helping veterinarians, vet techs, dog trainers, shelter and rescue workers, pet sitters, and all the other animal-crazy pet professionals manage their stress and find more joy. I'm your host, Colleen Pilar, and I'm thrilled you're here with us today. Make sure you hit the subscribe button on your favorite app so that you won't miss a single episode. This episode is brought to you by our free community, the Circle of Resilient and Thriving Pet Professionals. If you like the ideas shared here, then you're invited to continue the conversation with other lifelong learners in the community. You can find out more at colleenpilar.com slash community. It's the perfect place for you to learn cool stuff, feel good, and take action to create the life you love. Come join us. My guest today is Lori Williams, the owner of Pup and Iron Canine Enrichment Center, and I invited Lori to come join me today to talk about relationship. Welcome, Lori. Hi, how are you, Colleen? I'm doing really well. I'm really happy to have you here today. You said that relationship is the most important element when you are working with families, trying to help them with their dogs. Like as a trainer, that is the pivotal piece for you. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Sure. So there's a several different relationships um, in the dynamic. And the first one, of course, is the client with their dog. That's essential. We, um, as a trainer, I try to get to establish or help them understand that they really need to establish a partnership and a working relationship. Okay. Everybody loves their dog. So that's not even, you know, we don't even really get into the love part, but they need to establish a partnership um, and a working relationship based on mutual respect and trust. So that's the, you know, that's key. That's number one. But then there's also another relationship, my relationship to the the client and them to me. So we have to also have a relationship that's a working partnership. But I want them to know that it's us together working Mm -hmm. on their dog's issues, if you will. Um, It can't be just me working on it. Or, or even just them, they've come to me for help. So I'm going to give them the help. And, and um, we have to have a good rapport and a good working relationship so that if they are having problems with something, they feel at ease letting me know. And also, if I see that they are having a difficulty with something, that I can also talk to them about that and see if we can come up with a, a way that works easier for them or works more in line with their lifestyle. Um, so yeah, it's a lot of relationships that um, everything's based on. If, if, if those relationships break down, then unfortunately the dog is going to suffer as a result. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's very true. And the, the part about getting everyone on the same team, I think is sort of obvious and yet overlooked so often that we, we do see, you know, clients sometimes perceive the trainer as judging them. Um, and sometimes trainers are judging clients. There is that too. Um, and that doesn't help anyone. And often clients are judging their dog and, you know, he's being stubborn, he's being difficult and to try to create this relationship where it really is based on trust and respect and becomes, a team effort. We're all moving in this direction as opposed to differing views of that. Was that always the primary focus of your training or is that something that evolved? Because you've been training a long time. I have been. 
I have been quite a long time. Well, you know, maybe in the very, very beginning in the early years um, when I was mainly just teaching group classes, you know, with the group class, you don't you don't always get to form a a close relationship with the students in the class. Very often you're going to have them for six to eight weeks and then gone. You Mm -hmm. never see them again. Um, But when you're working one-on-one with clients, then they, you definitely get to know each other uh, a lot more. Um, We also have a, um, we, well, we previously to the pandemic, we were having a, (laughs) a, a, there's pre-pandemic and post-pandemic, but pre-pandemic, we had um, our classes, group classes were actually levels. And I think you're familiar with levels program too. So in the levels program where you have the uh, students are coming multiple times per week, then you actually do get to form a better relationship or closer relationship with them because you see them more often. The uh, once a week for six weeks or eight week class format not so much, you know, you mm-hmm. see, you, you're going to see that client for like six times or eight times and then quite possibly never see them again. Mm-hmm. So the levels program did afford us, you know, we were seeing them multiple times per week. So it, we got to delve into that, but it is mostly when I started doing the one-on-one consultations where I actually was able to apply the relationship-based training that I do with my own dogs um, with my clients, I've been participating in dog sports forever, <laughs> pretty much forever, my entire do- adult life, pretty much. So you, in um, dog sports, you have to form that type of partnership and relationship. It's key. And I think a lot of pet dog training, they don't actually go into it thinking that same way, but I've mm-hmm. just tried to apply that to my training for pets. You know, mm-hmm. we're going to be a teammates here. You, see, you need to establish a team, you know, teamwork and your dog needs to become your teammate. And then, hmm, that's different. So yeah, I, I'd say just when I started um, doing the one-on-one clients, it really became clear to me that I could apply that type of relationship-based training to them. Yeah. It was, For me, that aha moment came when I changed methods because I'm a crossover trainer. So when I first started training way back in the early 90s, I was teaching using old school methods. <laughs> and for, I was a, I'm a crossover trainer too. We, we all were. <laughs> if yeah, you were anyone who's been teaching more that than 25 long. years, you're, mm-hmm. you're a crossover trainer. So, But it was interesting to me because at in, in the beginning, I often saw um, any sort of lack of communication or lack of results as being um, poor mechanics. And often it was. Mm -hmm. But a bigger piece, in my opinion now, looking back, is that we really hadn't established that relationship. And that when I was able to move and learn more with more positive methods, the relationship is so powerful that the training, that it made up for a lot of the mechanical problems you know the sure, people had poor timing or whatever and the dog still did well like right. <laughs> magic yeah true because it's kind of the, that alignment yeah so, very true since that is such an important piece between dog and owner and then again between owner and pet professional yeah what do you find to be one of the most helpful strategies for you and your team to build relationships with your clients well, you definitely have to to listen to them, um, make their problems 
well, the problems are never belittle them, like make their problems like important. Like I understand, like you, you can't belittle. The, it, it might even be something as simple as, well, housebreaking isn't simple. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's actually very complex, but some things to them, if it sounds like trivial, mm-hmm. it's not like we yeah. have to put ourselves in their place. And we also have to um, put ourselves back into the brand new beginning dog person, if you will, because I think mm-hmm. one of the traps that we fall into is, you know, like that's like common sense. That's dumb or whatever. It, it, we might be. No, you can't think that. These are people who, yeah, they're not dog trainers. They're looking at it completely different. I, I a lot of times I have to tell um, my apprentices and and younger up and coming trainers about that. I said, you know these people aren't dog trainers and we can't expect them to look at things the way we dog trainers do. Mm-hmm. They are regular everyday person. And you know what? They don't want to be a tra- dog trainer. Yeah. They want to have the, their dog. They want to communicate better with their dog. They want to have their dog learn how to do things, put yourself in their position. So that's one of the first things you have to do. You have to, and then you have to have a lot of empathy for their situation because they, they are dealing with some very real problems to them. Mm -hmm. Um, We tend to, we professionals tend to completely rearrange our lives for our dogs. And that's very normal. (laughs) You know, uh, how how many of us buy the vehicle because it'll fit a certain amount of crates or Mm -hmm. certain amount of dogs. (laughs) We buy our house because they have such and such amount of space for this and that. And our, oh, we could have a grooming room right here. You know, that's the way, that's the way we live our lives. It's normal. That's not the way a lot of people, they don't live that way. So we have to put ourselves in their position and try to find a way that they can find reasonable to um, not only fit their dog in their lives, but make their life their or make their dog's life um, more important in their life as opposed to just being their dog, like the dog actually having some um, priority in their life. So, and it did, that doesn't happen overnight. You have to, you know, have that relationship with them and you can build that over time. They'll start to see if, if, if you're successful, they will start to understand that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's really important. And I like that you said that you tell your um, up and coming trainers, this I have also, and one of the, one of the interesting challenges when, when talking to some of these trainers is that they see themselves like the client, but they right. were the exceptional client. They were right. the client well, that's who true. planned their yeah. life around their dog. And they're like, well, I did it. And like, yes. <laughs> right. but that's because you're crazy. Like right. most of us <laughs> you're a crazy person. That's yeah, why you, we're you. hiring you. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so so that understanding of that people can absolutely love their dog sure. without oh, wanting yeah. to be a dog trainer. Absolutely. Planner absolutely. Dog. Yeah. That's big. It is big. It is big. And it's a, it's a different filter sometimes for us. Um, it, it can be very difficult, I think, for pet professionals because we have such a belief about what a good life looks like for mm-hmm. an animal. Right. Um, and And there are definitely lives that are, not good, but mm-hmm. there, there's a middle ground too, where it isn't necessarily what we would choose, but that right. that animal can have a good life. Of course. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's important to remember because yeah, we do have this like utopia <laughs> for dogs in, in our mind. Mm-hmm. And, you know, 
dogs, one thing, one of one of many things that I love about dogs is as they are adaptable. I know a lot of times we say dogs don't like change, this and that. They adapt. Oh boy, do they adapt to to us. And you know, even not under the circumstances that we may not consider the best, you know, a lot of dogs do okay. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They they adapt to it. And that's why it's important to, with whatever client you're working with, to try to find if you could just make it better yeah. for that dog and for mm-hmm. that person in their relationship, then, you know, that's what, that's what you couldn't, you know, I'm not going to say that's the most you can hope for. You can shoot for the stars, but certainly if you have done that, then you will have done your job if you've made it better. And that's, um, that's what I think we should all keep in mind, or at least that's what I try to keep in mind to just at least make it better. Yeah. And I think that's often a starting off point. Like you said, if you, if you have a client for six or eight weeks and you don't see them again, if you made it better, you don't know that what you saw at the end is the end of the progress. Right. right. You know, a lot more could be built upon oh, that yeah. afterwards, but it's easy to think like we only got this far and no farther, but if you made it better, change, yeah. small changes add up. Right. And I always figure if there's just even just one or two things that mm-hmm. I have said or I've shown them that will stick with them for years to come, then again, I'm happy about that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, because we, we do that a lot too. We, we um, I don't think they got it. Oh, shoot. You know, I'm not sure. Or you worry about certain clients. And then, you know, I have had it happen where years later, I find out, wow, they did get it. Mm-hmm. I find out via somebody else, a neighbor, mm-hmm. a friend, a coworker, where they they were actually repeating things that I told them to this other person. And I'm like, wow, they remembered that? <laughs> so anyway, as long as, you know, that's what you want to, you want to um, impart as many pearls of wisdom, if you want to call them that, that they will be, that will help help them throughout the year. So that's, um, that's a lot better than, oh, they didn't get it. Like I've been telling them and I've been telling them and they just didn't get it. Right. You know, maybe they did get it in their own way, just because you didn't see it at the moment. You can't judge them on that. Yeah. So going back to our overarching frame of relationship, tell Mm -hmm. me about, um, how relationship plays a role in your relate in in your relationship with other pet professionals. Currently, I have three veterinarians who are clients of mine, and that's when I again this is post pandemic because we're not fully open yet. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, I'm just doing. I mean, I'm doing about one fourth of the amount of um, business that I usually do. But generally, we have had countless veterinarians bring their own dogs through our classes, through our facility. Um, Yeah, I'm so proud of that. And um, so I've really tried to form really good relationships with the veterinarians in in our area. Um, That's key too, because they're your first line of, I don't want to say defense, but they're they're the first line that will meet the new pet owners. Mm -hmm. So the better relationships you get with the uh, veterinary health professionals in your area, the better, because they're going to refer people to you and they will refer people to you. Reason I like, I love for them to be my clients. They're going to refer people first with firsthand knowledge. I took my dog there. So I love that. I, I get a lot of those referrals and I'm just so proud of, I'm like, I'm giddy. <laughs> when I, when they say my veterinarian recommended you, I'm like, 
So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so on a personal level, what does it do for you to have these relationships? The relationships with the clients, if you are a um, dog training professional, if you haven't established good relationships with your client, you're not going to last very long. That's the that's what sustained me. So I've been in been dog training for many years, but my business, my business, Pup and Iron, I've had for 15 years now. We're going on our 15th year um, anniversary in August. You know, despite all of the different recessions we've had these last 15 years, you know, up and down. And then, of course, we're in the uh, Washington, D.C. Um, kind of metro area, a little bit farther south. But most of our, a lot of our clients commute into D.C. We have a lot that are government workers. Well, we've gone through, I think, maybe three government short shutdowns, <laughs> maybe four. I don't know. I've lost track. Anyway, we've gone through a lot and we still are, you know, we're still thriving. You know, yeah, we're dealing with the pandemic now. We all are. But the fact that we have um, made it through that, I know is because I've established great relationships in this community. That's that's I owe it all to that. Um, Would have never made it as just me, myself and I stand alone. Um, so yeah, I, I owe everything to the relationships I've created through these past 15 years. When Dr. Sally Foote was on the podcast, she said one of the things she would most like to see happen in the, in the world of pet professionals is increased self-compassion, but also increased colleague compassion, like being a little bit nicer to the other pet professionals who are doing the best they can in the services they provide. What are your thoughts about that? We got to do better. (laughs) That's basically what I'm saying, because that has been a sore spot for a long time. Um, For as far as I can remember, Mm -hmm. we just, it's, it's hard. Now, if it is a trainer that is a personal friend or someone that um, ascribes to the exact school of thought that we do, we do fairly well with um, helping or or having a good relationship. But if it's somebody that does not ascribe to our methodology or um, has a different way of doing things, then that gets hard. It's not a lot of uh, good relationships there. It's not a lot of um, openness to at least having a a conversation and a discussion, a respectful um, conversation and discussion. So that's been an issue with um, dog training uh, professionals in particular that um, I wish was better. It's uh, sometimes it's almost to the point of where, ooh, like where we, you know, we we can't associate with them because they da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And, you know, that's that's kind of sad because, you know, you can't, I'm not saying we all should be out to change everyone, but you're certainly not going to get anyone to ascribe to your, or even see, understand your point of view if you don't have kind of conversation with them. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, how, how does that work? How do you ever, if you're not talking to that person, then how are they ever going to at least go, oh, yeah, maybe, okay. I can, I can see that. You're not talking to them. They're never going to say that. They're never going to see that. So I've always, um, that's always bothered me that that didn't happen to 
anyway. Well, if I could grant you a magic wand, how would you like to see that come about? That's a lot because I, I, I also think that just by virtue of the job and it could, this could cross over into other professions, but I think just by virtue of the dog, uh, the job of being a dog training professional, we are, a lot of us are very type A personalities. We know what we know. We believe, we believe firmly in it, strongly in it. So just by that, it's hard to get people to budge at all or to let their guards down um, at all. So, but if I could wave a wand, I would like, let's put our, let's everybody put your garden down and like, let's try to find common ground. Like what, what do we see? Do we see eye to eye on? And then let's talk about that. And let's talk about how that, so like pick subjects that um, we all agree on and let's discuss that. So it'd be neat to have like a kind of like a round table or symposium or something with um, all different schools of thought in the, you know, the learning and behavior world. And let's talk about it and let's um, find some common ground. You know, let's just sit in a room together, (laughs) which is rare. That in and of itself. I can't, you know, I now because I do train um, and do compete in dog sports, um, particularly in um, dog obedience, um, competitive dog obedience. You know, I've been in seminars with people that I knew did not train like me. And you know what? We all did fine. Nobody, because um, because really the subject wasn't even, whatever the topic was, wasn't about that. But I've been in with people that I know that, and, you know, we all had fun. Guess what? We laughed at the same things. <laughs> when the presenter made a joke, we all giggled and laughed. I was like, you know, we were all just people in there. And I always go by the premise, regardless, regardless, um, if you're a professional dog trainer and you have, you're good at what you do, more than likely you love dogs. It's mm-hmm. hard to fake it in this profession, regardless mm-hmm. as to what training methodology you, you use. They love dogs. We love dogs. Let's all love dogs. And <laughs> let's talk about that. You know, maybe that's kind of like cosmic, you know, whatever, but. Does feel like a bumper sticker. You love dogs. We love dogs. Let's talk about that. We there all love dogs. Go. That's, that works for me. <laughs> we've talked about the relationship with your clients and we've talked yes. about the relationship with other pet professionals. Now right. I'm curious, what are the benefits of relationships with people who are completely out of the world of Pet professionals and dog training. Yeah. How, how do those relationships help you? Well, you know, um, I do think we as pet professionals, um, you know, and again, I have to just keep saying this because it is true. I have had other um, jobs and other professions along the way. Um, when, when dog training was not my main profession, I I've always done it, but that was on the side It's been my full life for the last 15 years, but I've been in others. And so this can apply to others. I think we tend to hang out with other people like us. So dog trainers tend to hang out with other dog trainers. (laughs) They tend to surround themselves by other dog trainers. But you know what? When I was a fitness professional, Fitness professionals did the same thing. My husband is a retired police officer. Police officers do the same thing. In their sphere, 
they tend to um, kind of roll in that circle with each other, mainly because the people in your circle get it, if you mm-hmm. will, when you're talking about something. They're not looking at you like, what? <laughs> but what's interesting is I have so, not just me, I'm sure a lot of people do, but I have so many interests. Like, yes, I love dogs. I'm consumed with dogs, but I have a lot of interests um, that I do deal with people outside of that. And you know what? I do it fine because Mm -hmm. like if I'm with theater people, then I'm totally into theater. If I'm with, you know, um, fitness people, which I'm not so much anymore, but when I was, I could totally, I'm, I'm totally relate. I, so I have jumped in and out of things pretty much my whole life. So it's easy, but, um, I have to make an effort. So that's what I was getting at. It's not like something that's just going to happen. I have to actually make the effort to reach out to others, Mm -hmm. to do other things, to, and you're making time for it is another whole issue because, you know, a lot of us dog trainers are very short on time. We're spread very thin, but I, I do make a point to try to find time to do other things outside of dog training stuff. So that involves relationships with other people. Yes. Yes. And I think there's a huge benefit to to making the time to do things outside of your professional sphere with people oh, yeah. who are unfamiliar with what you do. Um, not that they can't know, but just like the, all the conversations are not about animals. Right. Um, I find it it offers me all sorts of new ideas and kind of reconnects me to the bigger world because I, I do get focused in on the stuff I'm hearing about from the people around me all of the time. What benefits do you get from those conversations with people who aren't animal people? Well, you know, it, it brings you back to reality because <laughs> we do tend to live in like this altered universe where, yeah, dogs are the center and everybody should feel that way. And what is wrong with you that you don't feel that way? Like, are you kidding me? So we, and then we also, you know, we tend to block out things that are going on in the world around us and just Mm -hmm. have such tunnel vision. And, you know, I get it because yeah, the world is harsh. There's a lot of stuff going on that is crazy. Um, but you, you know, if we're going to be a well-rounded person and if we're going to be, you know, this is going to help us, um, relate to our clients better too, if we can understand, you know, what's going on in the world, when you have that tunnel vision, then that makes it even harder to relate to your clients because they're coming at you with real, real, real life stuff, mm-hmm. real world stuff. And you're yeah. like, well, well, but everything's dog. And like, you know, you can't be. <laughs> You got to be up to date with what is going on. And that's hard. I would love nothing more than to immerse myself in everything dog and not watch the news, not look around. I would love to do that, but that's not reality. And it also, when you do that, it puts you at a disadvantage because other people know things you don't know. And then um, you're either end up looking like an idiot because you don't know it or you come out looking very insensitive that you Mm -hmm. didn't know certain things. So yeah, you got to stay up with um, what's going on in the world. If you could have a wish for pet professionals, you know, knowing that there's so much going on in the world right now um, and that changes are coming that hopefully are going to be very good and empowering 
uh, for many people, but we're also dealing with all the pandemic issue as well. What is the wish that you would give? Well, certainly, if I could put like if I could put it into one sentence, and I've been asked this quite a bit of late. And the best thing I could say is if we as humans, and I'm going to, let me go to dog trainers right now because, um, and then we'll look, we can apply it to the broader sense. But let me just start with dog training professionals or pet professionals in general. If we could put the same care, the same attention to providing everything that they need, keeping humane thoughts in mind, if we could apply all that to how we feel about human beings as much as we do dogs, or, you know, if we could do the Mm -hmm. same for human beings that we do for dogs, pretty much everything would be solved. I mean, seriously, because the, for, for instance, and not to get too deeply into politics, but, um, or this isn't political at all. This is about humanity. Um, we wouldn't let a dog starve on the street. Most of the people I know, most of the people, mm-hmm. pet professionals I know would do everything to save a dog or a cat or, you know, animal. Mm-hmm. Would They would do everything. Like they wouldn't even think of letting that animal suffer, letting that animal go without. I mean, it's, it's really what we do our hearts are so incredibly large. I, you know, all we have to do is look on Facebook. There's a campaign every probably 15 minutes coming through. Like what would, what kind of place would the world be if we could do that with other human beings? Like for some reason there's a disconnect and I'm, I'm not sure why now I, 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 I don't believe this is um, apply can apply to everybody, but I did have a, dog trainer tell me she was actually, cause I asked her that because <laughs> um, she seemed very harsh with humans, very harsh. So I asked her, I said, why do you put so much or have so much empathy for animals? And she you know what she said? She told me, she said, that's because animals are innocent and humans aren't. Mm-hmm. And I said, but what about someone who's born poor? Well, that's their fault because I mean, seriously, so anyway, I think people look at animals as helpless, but they don't look at their fellow human beings as helpless. And sometimes people are in helpless situations. So yeah. I I wish, that's my wish, that we could treat our fellow human beings the way we treat animals. Mm-hmm. And um, and that's for us, our um, dog professionals, of course, or our pet professionals. Of course, there's people in the world who do not treat animals well. So, of course, that wouldn't apply to them. No, but your wish was only supposed to be for pet professionals. Yes, people yes. who listen to Unleashed uh, yes. at Work and Home. What? <laughs> yeah, what I'll can get the rest do? of the world later. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, this has been a really great conversation with you, Lori. If people wanted to learn more about you and your work, how could they do that? Well, certainly they can, um, you know, look me up on my website, on the Puppet Iron website, and I know you'll have um, that. Uh, you are it's easy. Puppetiron.com. P-U-P-N-I-R-O-N.com. I am also on Instagram. I have a pretty good um, or pretty um, active Instagram account. It's at the canine diva. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, I'm on Twitter, but I, I don't participate on that that much. And, that, and, and with Papa Nine has a very active Facebook page. And I have a, a, a very active Facebook page um, as well. So we're, we're out there in social media uh, and that's a great way to get a hold of me. 
Okay. Well, I will link all that up in the show notes. Thanks so much for making time to talk with me today. Anna. Sure. It was fun. It's really wonderful. All right. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Unleashed at Work and Home. I invite you to come learn more at ColleenPilar.com, where you can be steady, be strong, and be long.